25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! What's happening, everybody? It is Tuesday, February the 18th. Hey to y'all. Hey to y'all. Hope y'all are as tickled that it's Tuesday as I am. Um, lots of rain around, unfortunately. Now, it hadn't been raining as hard as some people threatened that it that it might. Yeah, that's a little background noise going on here in the studio right now. I'm pouring the coffee. I have a little bit uh, left over from breakfast from High Point Roasters in New Albany. And I'm pouring it in the cup. Welcome in. My cup runneth over. If you don't know what that means, look it up. Have yourself a little devotion in the middle of the day. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, and friendly service. And, um, boy, I tell you, you know, with all the a lot of the water and the flooding and water damage and stuff that's going on in and around Hines County and I couldn't help but think about some of my friends I met uh, recently at the Hines County Farm Bureau <laughs> office. All those guys, I'm sure they are busy right now out there waiting around helping people. And that's kind of the way it is. They're local. That's one of the cool things. You know, the people that right now, and you look at Hines County, people that have, uh, say, flood damage uh, to a, a property or a vehicle, a uh, home when I say property, if they have their insurance with the um, you know the local Farm Bureau insurance agent, one of those guys who I met, uh, local office is out there right now. They called him on their cell phone and said, "Hey, I got this going on." As opposed to having to get in line and wait and call somebody three states over, you're dealing with the guy right down the street, and that's the way it ought to be, and that's the way it is at Farm Bureau Insurance in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Well, here we are on February the 18th. Now, a couple of things. The first thing I want to do is something I didn't plan on doing, but I flipped on the dial and I heard Chris Brooks and Beaver on the gridiron talking about this NASCAR thing. Now, they were obviously sparked in their NASCAR conversation because of the big wreck at Daytona. The controversy at the end, you know, Denny Hamlin basically runs into, you know, and flips Ryan Newman. Hamlin wins. They celebrate. Joe Gibbs, the owner, they later apologized for celebrating. They didn't realize how bad the injury was to Ryan Newman, the guy who should have won the race if he doesn't get flipped. Car upside down, crashes around, comes to a screeching halt on fire. He's on a stretcher with critical injuries in a hospital. They say critical but not life-threatening. So big old, it's a big deal. And I'm sure that's what led to it. And then it, as I listened to their show, Next thing you know, they're talking about our NASCAR drivers, athletes, <laughs> that old, that old chestnut, and Chicken Hawk called into their show and told them about he went and did the 
the Richard Petty driving experience. And there was another wow. caller. And all, did you catch any of that, Roger? No, I didn't. I did, but I want to correct the record here because somebody else will if I don't. Uh, Denny Hamlin wasn't the guy who uh, spun him up. It was right, it was Brian else. Blaney. Blaney. But okay. Hamlin came on to win, and the controversy about that was he didn't know how bad it was, and yeah. They had to celebrate. And they immediately stopped. Right, and they said as soon as they found out, he stopped. And and okay, so it was somebody else who actually did the flipping. And Hamlin was the the beneficiary there. Okay. Yeah. So I want to get into that because I have a story to relay. It's one I've told before here, and I'm going to give you the short version. But there was controversy and people doubting what Chicken Hawk said. Okay, so we're just going to get into that just real quickly. Then I don't I'm know what f- about Chicken Hawk's presentation would lead you to believe that he would not <laughs> like NASCAR. Well, right. He no, seems like prime demo for me. The, you know? the controversy was what he said about how fast he went. Okay. 82, yeah. So we're going to get that. But first, I got to thro- throw something else out there, and that is how you can be a part of the show. Same as every day. Always enjoy hearing from you. So if you're watching the stream on Facebook, hey to you. If you're watching on Twitter, Periscope, hey to you also. Hope everybody's doing well. And uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. So feel free to comment. I'll, I'll pull up the Facebook feed here and uh, look through your comments as we broadcast live. So hey to y'all. It's just, if you want to check it out, you can. It's facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Now, tweet me at Radio Wyatt on Twitter. But as always, you can text the show on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage, a great Mississippi company. With the best sausage I've ever eaten. Now, they don't, that's not all they offer. It's country meat packers also. And they've got the butcher shop right there on Highway 49. But listen, in grocery stores throughout the Southeast, I've told you that for days now. I've even had people message me uh, when I've talked about it and said, hey, where do I get it? Or can I get this? Or can I get that? I've been talking about the green onion flavor, the maple that I just opened. And Roger ate some of that. We're going to get him to tell you about it. But my wife is grocery shopping. The homecoming queen is grocery shopping just a little bit ago before the show started. She sent me two pictures on my phone. She's in the, you know, the meat section of the grocery store there at Kroger in our hometown of Tupelo. And she takes a picture of the country pleasing greens, onion sausage, the green onion flavor. And then the original smoked sausage from country pleasing sends me both pictures, just sends me the pictures. Which ones do you want? Well, my reaction was, that's my reaction. I'm going, am I I supposed to make a choice? Are you sending me two pictures saying, hey, pick one? Because the answer is always both. You you got the deluxe sampler pack to start with. You're spoiled now. Hey, and real quick, give give me a 30-second review of the maple sausage flavor. Maple flavor I told you about. Oh, it was... uh... It, it was sweeter than I expected it to be, but it was good. It was a different kind of uh, thing mm-hmm. for sausage. It was more sweet and savory, I guess you'd say. Right. I liked it. Yeah, it I could definitely fantastic. see where that would appeal to uh, folks with a sweet tooth. Yeah, no doubt. It was fantastic. Okay, here's what I want to say, and, and then Chicken Hawk's going to call us, and we're going to get down to this. Okay, look, and this popped up at the end of Chris's show. I thought I heard some of it, too, and Chicken Hawk said he went there and did the driving experience, and... They said that he said he averaged over 180-something miles an hour. Here's my experience. This has been now 15 or so years ago for me. I was a young 
sports uh, anchor reporter at a TV station. And I had the opportunity to go to the Richard Petty driving experience at Talladega Super Speedway. And in doing a news story about it, hanging out with them all day long, I went through the Richard Petty driving experience. They, you, you do the course and you have this lesson that you learn and this little test that you take. And then they give you somebody to ride around in the van around the racetrack and he's giving you this pointer and that pointer and different little things. And before it's all over, they put a driving suit on you that was about a size too small for me. My boots are sticking out of the bottom of it, you know. They don't catch on fire down there. They put a helmet on me and slid me into the side of that car, Dukes of Hazard style, because the door does not open, and strapped me into that car. And here I go. I'm driving. I'm the only one in it. I'm in the driver's seat, shifting gears, pedal to the metal, holding on to the wheel for dear life. But yes, at the Richard Petty driving experience that I went to, it was the it was like the nine, ten lap, five hundred dollar experience. So I went, I think, nine laps. And yes, I did have to stay behind what they called an instructor driver the whole time. Literally a pace car. Sort of, that's it. Yeah, I'm staying behind him. Okay. That way you control how fast you go. And I appreciated that because, like, you put me out there by myself. I don't know what I'm doing. Never done this before. I needed that on the first time around it. Oh, yeah, you'd follow his line, too. Yeah. So anyway, I'm following this guy. And the thing about Talladega is it's a super speedway, so there's no shifting gears. No, there's no braking. Once you are once you put it in fourth, it's in fourth gear the rest of the way with your foot on the Go! pedal. That's it. And they gave me landmarks. They're like, okay, he's going to take off. You jump all over it. You know, come off that clutch, jump all over it. When you get down there to the end of this pit wall, you put it in second gear. When you're about to enter the turn down there next to that Phillips 66 sign, you see it? Yeah, I see it. Then you put it in third. You'll be in third about the time you're coming out of that turn for the first time after you enter the track. And when you're coming out of that turn, you put it in fourth gear and don't ever touch it again. Keep your foot on the gas. Stay behind the instructor. If you don't stay on the gas, he's going to go off and leave you now. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And about that time, that instructor driver in front of me took off in his car. He was driving a a number two Bud Light car. I was in a number 36 M&M's Pontiac. When he took off, all I saw was smoke. (laughs) And they said, go, 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 go. So I took off and drove through the smoke. And then here we are. And I did exactly what they said. I shifted here and shifted there. We're up in the turn. I shift and that's it. The first lap around, I felt like I'm about to wreck this guy in front of me. That's how close I am to him. Roger, they had told us throughout the day. They gave us instructions. They said, when you come under the flag stand on each of your laps, you will get some sort of signal from the flag guy up there. And then they taught us, and we had to go through a short test of what the different flags mean. For instance, if I'm remembering correctly, if you get a rolled up green flag, if he waves a rolled up green flag at you, that means go faster, scoot up, get closer behind your instructor driver. If you get a rolled up red flag, that meant back off of him a little bit. But then there were a few other things. I want to say there was like if it's if it's an it's a furled, you know, unfurled or whatever they call it, red flag, that meant follow him down low and you're eventually going to come to a stop. Something has gone wrong. And there were some different things. So on this first lap, 
the first time I've put it in fourth gear, my first lap, I feel like I'm eating this bumper up. And I and it's scaring me to death, the noise and the speed and everything. It just scares you to death. And when we went under the flag stand, they gave me a rolled up green flag, meaning go a little faster and scoot up, would you please? So I did. I couldn't believe it, but I did. Once I got a little closer, then I could see why. It's this whole drafting thing. And here we go. On the third lap of my nine laps, I finally start to enjoy it. I mean the noise and the vibration and the heat and the speed and the feel of all of this was absolutely intoxicating. It has to be what it's like when that fighter pilot finally after all this training is up, you know, 30,000 feet going thousands of miles an hour. It had I mean all this it's just this rush of adrenaline that you cannot explain. I was sitting on the end of a runway and the instructor said the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. Give her it full military power. Firewall it. Firewall it. And you don't ever in life get to do that. Yeah. And and you know, fourth lap, fifth lap, yes, it, it just became more and more fun each time. The experience of being on a thirty three degree turn. That's how steep it is. And you're following these white lines. And as you look out the top of your windshield, all you see is concrete. Now, now, I literally mean what I just said. I leaned up in the seat, basically looking out the top of my windshield to see the lines that I was going to follow. That's how steep the turns felt. You'd come out of the turn and the centripetal force would send you to the wall on about my fifth lap roger i was having fun and we came out of turn two and i'm up against the wall just we're buzzing it here and cool as a cucumber in front of me my instructor driver was watching me in his rearview mirror as we went 170 miles an hour and he motioned for me with his hand to move away from the wall a little bit <laughs> it was incredible and at the end of it, they gave me a sheet of paper, and it said my maximum speed was like 174, and of course, the average on the nine laps was lower than that. The average over my last eight laps was like 170. That was what my sheet of paper said. Chicken Hawk is on the Divinity Equipment phone line right now, and Chicken Hawk you said your average was over 180, which I, I actually can believe that. It just means that well, you were probably, you know, an ex, an experienced person could probably jump up there and, and, and go 10 miles an hour faster in that thing than what I did. I was totally inexperienced. You know what I mean? Well, it, it's Dale Jarrett now. Five years ago, Luke gave me that. Luke Bell gave me that for our first wedding anniversary. But Dale Jarrett now, and they used the, the what's was the Bush cars, and uh -huh. they won't go quite as fast as the you know the Swift and Cup or the Sprint or whatever they call Xfinity, you know now. Mm -hmm. But I had a guy in the car with me. You got a, a mirror that goes all the way across. You get in there, which me and him talked, and I like you said, I have driven before. I drove. I, I used to drag race, daddy, run round track dirt over there at uh, Jackson Jackson International. I have driven, but you know they don't really just take you. No, you know, take your word for it. Mm -hmm. But after about three laps, 
this dude, you didn't follow anybody because you had this guy sitting in the car with you. It was two of you driving, and you got an experienced race car driver with you. Mm-hmm. And the Dale Jarrett, that's who they got now, you know, a Dale Jarrett experience. And he, uh, after three laps, he says, I think you know what you're doing. And, and to get, it's just like in any race, you got to come in, you got to, you know, come in and come out. It's the right, you know, number one, number two turn, and then in the three and the four, and, you know, hit the straightaways just right. But that was about the max. I think I asked him what was the max of the best that anybody had ever done there uh, in those cars. With, uh, and I think he told me that 190, they had a guy that come in there and averaged like 190. Man. But, uh, I mean, I, I got a ticket. And I got chased from Peter Hatchett and Morton. I was stupid. I was ignorant. I was dumb. But this was a, uh, I mean, BJ before Jesus, the year BJ, you know, like mm-hmm. AD and all that BC. This was a year, the year of BJ before Jesus. I was trying to outrun a highway patrol, and he had a 429 and one of them big square Ford LTDs. I had a brand-new 79 Z28. And uh, needless to say, he took me back to the Rankin County Jail after he had a roadblock <laughs> set up in Morton. And uh, I got 137 in that. So I was experienced. <laughs> needless to say, pretty good. You know, I was ignorant when I was growing up. But I did. I did. I, I don't know what that dude down there at Talladega, I mean, at, at Daytona. Nothing was, like you said, you finally got to cut loose. I mean, there were people, I think, probably 10 cars on the track. But after this dude seen that I knew how to drive, he just kicked back and shut up and just let me race. He just let you go. That's great. Well, the whole experience for me, and I've been talking about it for 15 years, and this is what, this is what I've always said about it. Anybody that is even a remote racing fan, Chicken Hawk, they need to start right now, save up the money if you need to save it whether it's the $500 for ever how many laps or ever, you know, whatever the cost back then, 15 years ago at Talladega, it was like 500 bucks. If you, for do, nine the, laps. If you do the 10, the 10 lap package, I think is 600 and the, they got a 50 lap and a hundred lap. Mm-hmm. And on those, you get to make a gas pit stop coming there for some gas. They make a pit stop, and then you get to go back out when yeah. you, you know, get on up. There. My, but, what I have yeah, said about it, to, chicken Hawk is whoever you are, if you're a racing fan and you haven't done that, save the money, get the money, and go do it. There will be whatever the cost is or whatever, however long you have to save and whatever sacrifices you have to make to go, you will never regret it. It is that cool of an hey, experience. Hey, before you cut off real quick, Roger, uh, y'all going to have to set, set this deal. Lou Bell, we're going to come over there the 9th to the 13th, and I got some new type sausage. But here's what I want, Roger. I want you to whisper in Lou Bell's ear because I done told the beef and uh, I done told Brooks. I want my my bucket list will consist of this would wrap up everything. Well, we're going to go skydiving in August. But the next thing, and that'll end it, but it's about $7,000 to do it. You can go to Frank Hardy's driving school down in Gainesville, Florida, and I'm just a real drag racing nut. I want to get in a top fuel dragster. And I want to get my license, you know, to, to, so, I mean, I'll never be hired by nobody. But I want to go 300 plus miles an hour in a, in a quarter mile. That's what I want to yeah. do. So Roger, yeah. when, when Lou comes, whisper in her ear, Lou Bell, 
get up out, get give some of that money out of that old big gigantic purse you got, chicken hawk, and let him go to Florida. <laughs> I'll do that. I, well, hey, look here. Here's what. Here's here's to everybody. Like uh, like Bob Tail said, save your money. You got to do it because then you can see. And when you go around that track, you look at one of them crackers that don't know how to do it and say, "See, see ya." <laughs> Uh, Matt, did you get a, a complimentary cowboy hat when you did the Richard Petty experience? Uh, no, I didn't get one of those. I didn't. I don't think they were giving them out, uh, and I didn't need it. After that experience, it was just great. And you know, because we were covering it for a news station, we had video. There's, I got a VHS tape of it floating around in this house somewhere. Um, and then you know, I had some pictures and all. And it was just such a neat thing for someone like me who had grown up not a fan of NASCAR. I, I did not grow up a NASCAR fan. I wasn't a car person, didn't know anything about it. And, you know, thought it was really cool to get the chance to go do that. And then I came away from it. And and there from, after going and doing that there for about five years, I, I paid attention to every race every Sunday <laughs> in some shape, form, or fashion. It was crazy. Part of it was I was, you know, working the weekend shift on the local news, so we were covering NASCAR back then some. But and yeah, they, dude, it was great. Talladega is so hot. Oh, it was hot, and this was in July. Yeah. Hey, and no look, air conditioning, right? <laughs> right. And and when I got out of the car after the nine laps and took that uh, driving suit off, I really felt sorry for whomever you know was responsible for dragging that thing like to the wash because it, I was wringing wet with sweat from head to toe. Nine laps in that car in July, but I didn't care. It was that much fun. All right. Um, if you tuned into the live stream, or even if you didn't, you may have heard me mention. Today is a significant day in the history of baseball. And I'll tell you who, what, when, and why coming up next in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show, live with you in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team and staying connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired. I saw a really neat picture yesterday, Roger, that was um, tweeted out locally there in the uh metro area where all this flooding has occurred and is occurring ceasefire on twitter they just at ceasefire sent out a tweet said because power had to be cut off to a downtown jackson cell site due to the flooding our network team was in the field earlier today this would be yesterday delivering 100 gallons of fuel to keep the backup generator fueled and keep the cell sites up and running so, you know, everything that is automatic ultimately comes down to something manual when disaster hits. When the going gets tough, something manual has to take place. And in the case of a company like Seaspire, based right here at home, they're a great Mississippi company. You drive by their home offices every day. Um, that happens. They actually have men sloshing around through the floodwaters, wearing waders, taking 
gas can after gas can after gas can up to 100 gallons of fuel to keep that backup generator running so that the cell service site continues because they had to cut power to it because of the waters rising. Y'all can check that uh, photo out for yourself if you want to see it. It's just at Seaspire on Twitter. Well, thankfully, some of the water's kind of gone down, but of course, you know, that can change. Yeah, that's what, right. Yeah. I worried this morning because, you know, here we are in North Mississippi where I live, Roger, and around 5 to 5.30 a.m. this morning, it was absolutely coming a flood. Well, sorry for the word, a, a downpour, a frog strangler, a tadpole gagger, as they say. The veritable, you know, cow on a flat rock kind of rain. I mean, it was just... Cats and dogs. Yes, and I thought, is it going to be this way all day? It did not continue. It's just kind of been misty uh, ever since, but I think we're supposed to get some more. And on that note, because of the impending weather today that they were so sure about, Mississippi State went ahead yesterday and canceled their midweek game, which is today, with, um, with Samford. Now, later in the show, we're going to talk with Ole Miss head coach Mike Bianco, that's coming up. They're coming off the big series win over Louisville. We'll get an update on – sounds like they plan on continuing on and playing their game. they got Arkansas State. I think that was on the schedule for today, but we'll get an update with him uh, coming up. Real why do you quick, think they haven't extended him? Do what? Why? You, why what do you think's behind that, not, not giving him a contract extension? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, he's going into his 20th year. There could be so many things – uh, about that and generally roger i do such a terrible job myself personally of number one keeping up with you know this contract and that contract and who's making what and and, and t- i do such a poor job of caring about it um is the problem we're all trying to you know read between the lines on everything yeah always sure, sure. uh real quick on the country pleasing text gator nation says i haven't watched racing since jeff gordon retired it's just not the same without him you know, and when you're a fan of somebody, I'll be honest with you, one of the reasons I started to kind of peel away from, there's another pun in there, from watching as much of it 10 years ago was because of the dominance of Jimmy Johnson. I got tired of Jimmy Johnson and that Lowe's car. I got tired of it. And I, I even started to get these conspiracy theories in my head going, man, you know, they run this Coca-Cola whatever race at Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte every year. And guess who's winning it every year? Well, I'll be doggone. It's Jimmy Johnson in the Lowe's car. Isn't that amazing? You know, and I, his, the Jimmy Johnson run, and I'm sure he's a great guy and Canals, his crew chief and all that. They've been in trouble and suspended a million times for different things, you know, tweaking the rules and all that. But I got sick of them and got sick of NASCAR because the same guy kept winning all the time. Hog Jowl on the Country Pleasing Text said they're. Their regular in-house made breakfast sausage can't be beat. It is the best. Right. The original, the staple, the country-pleasing smoked sausage, which uh, Homecoming Queen's bringing some of that home from the grocery store right now because she sent me a picture. And doggone on the country-pleasing text said, one difference with the fighter pilot NASCAR, no one's shooting at you from the stands at Talladega. Well, that's right. At least not yet. All right, here we go. Divinity Equipment phone line. Chris, you're up. What's up, Chris? What's up, Matt? Hey. Uh, prayers go out to Brian Newman and his family. They, um, I don't know if you heard, but they said he's in serious condition, just not life-threatening. So that probably means yeah. that he has a lot of injuries. That's right. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, if you look at that wreck, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard to think that you would have anything other when that car comes around and hits him. But right. on another note, um, I got a bone to pick with one of your listeners. 
True Maroon called me crazy after I got off the phone yesterday. Well, you know, I want to ask you, Matt. You've been around for a little bit, considerably a little bit longer than me. <laughs> I am a converted football. I mean, I'm a converted baseball fan just to like football and basketball. Yeah. I, my yeah. first love was baseball, mm-hmm. and I started mm-hmm. off loving Mississippi State because of baseball. I was a baseball fan when I back in when I was a young kid. And two of my favorite players ever was Ricky Joe Red and Blake Anderson. You probably don't remember that last name, but Blake Anderson was a catcher back when I was a kid, and I was a catcher when I first started playing baseball. Okay. Okay. Now, if you see now if you see me as a catcher, it'd be hard for a if, if a pitcher threw it by me, it, it'd definitely be a wild pitch because it'd be hard for him not to hit me. <laughs> but um, the other thing is, is that True Maroon. I want to ask you something. You called me crazy yesterday. I said we're going back to Omaha. The reason why I said that is we've had some great pitchers at Mississippi State, but I want to challenge anybody to tell me that these three kids that are pitching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday won't be first-round draft picks. Hmm. Really good because uh, question. If Saren Toler, Toler gets it figured out, which looks like he's starting to get there, those are going to all three be first-round draft picks. And when have we ever had a full rotation with first-round draft picks mm-hmm. all weekend? I mean, and if they all get it figured out this year, we ain't going to have to score all the runs we're going to score because they're going to they're going to shut everybody down, and nobody else in the nation has a pitching combination like that. Not even Vanderbilt. Yeah. Well, so that's uh, why I said we're going back to Omaha. And look, you know, there's. I don't. Here's the thing about it, Chris. It's a program that has been to Omaha in back-to-back years, right? Already, right. And then what we're talking about here, it's a in the, in over the course of the program's history, they've been there eleven times to Omaha. Now, but they've a team that's been there in back-to-back years. Now, yes, they're going to try to do it this year without Jake Mangum, without Ethan Small, sure. But with the way they recruit, the apparently. And then with what you saw on Saturday, the way McLeod pitched, what you saw from Sarantola that he's capable of on Sundays, it's not at all outrageous to say this team can go back to Omaha. Of course they can. Of course they can. Now, if they do it, you know, remains to be seen. But at this point in the year, it's it's not crazy. I mean, you're sitting here going, a team that's been there to Omaha twice in a row may go back. There's nothing crazy about that. So I agree with you, and I appreciate you calling right. back today. Hey, um, I got one more thing that I got a little bit of time. Um, also, too, all these people that want to move JT in to Saturday, do we not realize what happened to him last year when we started messing with him? Yeah. I think we need to leave the kid right where they're at. Plus, if you look at it the other way, I've had a baseball coach explain this to me. The reason why they, if they've got, two left-handers or two right-handers, the reason why they try to put one of them at the first game and the other one at the last game is because it keeps people from getting comfortable. Yeah. If they yeah. keep it right, left, right, then they, they're not going to be comfortable. I agree. Yeah, if right, left, right. they left, right, right, they get comfortable yeah. by the end of the weekend. So Appreciate the call, Chris. See ya. See ya. About Harry Carey. Stick around. That's coming up next. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
back on the show. Turn on your mic, Matt. Walt on the Country Pleasing text said, You getting sick of Jimmy Johnson losing interest in NASCAR. The same reason I lost interest in the NFL because of Brady and the Patriots. I was thinking that. He said, That and misguided so-called political protest. Also, Louisville pitching rotation was pretty stout from Walt. Yeah, Louisville's going to be good. Louisville, one of those teams that, I mean, you know, they wind up right back in Omaha again. Nobody would bat an eye. It, Louisville's kind of like, um, what, they're sort of like the Vanderbilt of the ACC? I mean, uh, at, with the ex- slugger for, any, for nothing, you know? Yeah, with the exception of basketball, obviously, that's a big difference there. Um, True Maroon says, not crazy for thinking that we have three studs, but we also have a bunch of new and young guys starting for the first time in the SEC. When we sweep a top program or play real well in conference, then we can discuss Omaha. For now, it's too soon. Well, see, I disagree. You know, again, True Maroon, there are some programs and fan bases who earn the right to talk about that stuff uh, before they actually see it proven. Example, Alabama football fans right now are talking about getting back in the college football playoff. There's four teams there. There's eight in Omaha. And I think they've earned that right, don't you? It's not crazy, is it? What about Georgia fans? Ohio State? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. What about basketball? Kentucky fans every year. They're talking about going back to, you know, the Elite Eight or the Final Four, winning a national championship. And so for that very reason, because the proof's in the pudding over the long haul and the recruiting also gives you reason to go ahead and say, I mean, look, state pitches it that way every weekend. They could go right back to Omaha. There's nothing crazy about that at all. And I do think, too, uh, True Maroon, that what you're saying is fine. I mean, that's a very pragmatic approach. It's the way I approach most things in my life. But in terms of a fan base uh, for a school like state, there is an element of you got to have more and more people who learn how to, you know, take the insecurities and put them on the back seat, and not pay attention to the insecurities, and that's just kind of part of it. Just kind of part of it. Real quick, let's go to Michael, who's in Starkville. What's up, Michael? Hey, man. Hey. What's going on today, man? Besides it being rainy and rainy and rainy. Yep, more rain. <laughs> well. Uh, I wanted to comment on what the last caller said, or what you were saying about the last caller, and uh, I'm just gonna I'm just, I'm just gonna say a few things here. Mississippi State baseball is not what you would call an elite team. We have an elite program, and when you how do you have an elite program? It's through the stability of elite recruiting classes over time. As Chris Lamona, Gary Henderson, Canizaro, and Cohen before him have put together when Cohen rebuilt the foundation. He got Mississippi State back up to be a giant again. And then, as you've seen the success over the last four or so years, four straight supers, back-to-back Omaha parents, as we all know, Mississippi State has never been to Omaha three years in a row. Yeah. But. Hard to do. There's a first time for it. There's a first time for everything. And, in fact, in fact Matt, i got a trivia question for you. Um. Has there ever been a first? Has has there ever been a coach at Mississippi State baseball to take his club just himself in back-to-back Omaha parents, let alone his first two years as a coach back-to-back Omaha parents? The answer would be no. 
Hey, Michael, I appreciate the call, man. That's a really neat nugget. Thanks. Call, call me anytime, okay? I think Michael was, uh, I don't know, he was busy loading the truck or something. That uh, Sports Illustrated shoe phone. <laughs> the shoe phone. Remember those? Yeah, that's about what it sounded like, didn't it? All right, um, February the 18th. We had a lot of discussion on other stuff. It took me a while to get to this. February the 18th, on this day... In history, on this day, February 18th, 1998, we lost the great Harry Carey, the great Harry Carey, the longtime Cubs announcer. Thought I'd play a soundbite or two of Harry Carey. Y'all remember this? This was that. Uh, this was the final out uh, on on the of the 1991 season for the Cubs. They were at home. Game was on WGN, Harry Carey calling it. Bouncing ball. And the ball game is over. And Greg Maddox has won his 15th game of the year. He lost 11. That's a fourth straight year that he has won 15 or more. And the Cubs have salvaged the final game of the year and have swept the three-game series with the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, a lot of things happened today, and they were all great, and they were all thrilling, and they were all dramatic. Too bad we couldn't have had a victory that meant a pennant, but that will come. Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series, and maybe sooner than we think. How about that? That was uh, the end of the 91 season. And how many years did it take? Did he live to see that? No, he didn't. He passed away in 98. Um, so I'm just trying to think. What was it, 17 years later? No, it was more than that. Uh, it had been 25 years later, 2016 season, when the Cubs won the World Series, beat the Indians. And so, you know, truthfully, not quite, but almost two decades after he passed away, but it did finally happen. Um, you know, and history usually does reflect that kind of thing. It's just a matter of time for everybody. <laughs> one of my favorites was this story one day on a broadcast. He and his broadcast partner on WGN, Steve Stone, Harry Carey, got to talking, you know, kind of outside of baseball a little bit. I don't know what the big deal about Cracker Jack is. Did you ever go and buy a pack of Cracker Jack thinking you're going to get a prize and find no prize <laughs> in the box? Here's the pitch. That might not sound important to some people, but when, you, when you're a little kid, especially from humble origin, and they cheat you out of a prize, there's a bouncing ball. Second baseman has the Barbary over the first. It's hard to think in laudatory terms of the product. <laughs> I think if there was an occasional box of Cracker Jacks that found no prizes for uh, the, the for the little Harry Carey many years ago. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> and boy, when a box of Cracker Jack to me meant a lot of money. Here's a pitch bounce foul. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. <laughs> 
He just couldn't let it go. He couldn't let it go. It stuck with him all those years. And the reason Cracker Jacks came up is because he sang Take Me Out of the Ball Game during the seventh inning stretch at home games for the Cubs for years and years. I say sang like the whole stadium turned their attention to the broadcast booth. He stood up. They gave him a microphone plugged into the stadium PA at Wrigley Field, and he led it every year. And the final time that he did it was in September of 1997. This was what it sounded like. This is the last time this year. So let me hear you. Good and loud. All right, Gary. All one. All two. All three. Take me out to the And that's what they did. The whole stadium. Of course, now this was the last time. And it was the last home game of the 97 season. It was like September 20th or something like that. And it turned out. It turned out to be the last time that he ever did it because he passed away the following February. And uh, what was really sad about it, he was uh, at a restaurant in California, and he, he collapsed. He was with his wife, and then he passed away four days later on February the 18th, this day in 1998. And what was sad is his grandson, Chip Carey, who's now the Braves' voice on television, was going to be doing the Cubs games with him beginning in the 1998 season. And then he never got to do it because Harry Carey uh, passed away before he could do that. Um so it was on this day. And then we all know that everybody since then, you know, you hear the Will Ferrell um, impression of Harry Carey on Saturday Night Live. And now, and Rogers laughed whenever I've done that in the past. And he's like, you're like, hey, everybody. And what we're doing is we're not actually doing an impression of Harry Carey. We're doing an impression of Will Ferrell doing an impression of Harry Carey. Is <laughs> kind of what we do because that has become fam- famous too. Um, so it was neat to look back, you know, and one thing that I think uh, I'll do, I've always kind of done this on the radio just because it's selfish. It's fun for me and we'll do it again this year too. And that is on opening day for major league baseball. We'll have a day where we just listen to a whole bunch of stuff from all the great announcers over the course of history, calling baseball games. And what's amazing is some of the most famous ones come right back to Mississippi. So when you talk about Mel Allen and, uh, Red Barber and all those guys, they're all connected to Mississippi. Born here, something. Red Barber, and they didn't, they didn't just do any baseball games. A lot of those guys did the Yankees all those years as well. So that'll be fun. All right, also fun, Hour 2 coming up. Mike Bianco is scheduled to join us on the Divinity Equipment phone. So stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. 